Wasn't that fun? <laughs> Thank you to the Houchin Sunday School class and a cameo of one of our newer members. And thank y'all so much for the music today. You know, this is a time of year where if you're not happy to be a Christian, there's not much going to make you happy. I mean, this is, this is a time of year where we're supposed to get excited. Between Easter and Christmas, these are our two big times, isn't it? I mean, this is when our culture gets on board. Now, they, they kind of ruin it with a lot of the images that they portray, but... But we can still capture the beauty of this season and why we celebrate. Because Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. And this is a season of Advent. It means an expectant waiting. It draws us back into the, 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 the scale of human history. To a time when God revealed something wonderful in human presence the divine touched the earth and we can celebrate that but we have to get our hearts and minds ready now as we prepare for this season many of us uh, get caught up with the the uh, the shopping and the preparations and the decorations and all this I mean I was in Lubbock I wasn't braving the wind to get crops in but I was braving the crowds I guess I don't know which one was dumber. <laughs> but people get wrapped up in the season. They get caught up with trying to outdo siblings, these rivalries that, that pop up. They, they get uh, caught up in the competitions of having the shinier and better presents. People will spend months' salaries for one day because they want to make sure that they, they remember. But it's not about the gifts. It was about the gifts that we received from God, not about what we do for others. But we exchange gifts because it's a way that we can show what God did for us is giving us one. But it's not about those tangible things because as we will see in today's scripture, those will pass away. And so it doesn't matter what you open up on Christmas morning. They're just a vapor. Think about the most treasured possession that you have from a great-grandparent. I don't have one. Got one from a grandparent. Maybe some of you have a family heirloom that you're able to pass down and that you see how things work. But for the most part, once our generation is gone, the things that we cherish, the tangible things in this life, they're not going to be far behind. And one thing you're not going to be able to notice, but those things that you thought were so valuable, your kids may not want. Once you're gone, they may sell, sell your land, your farm that had been for many generations. But you're gone. You have no more say in it. Or maybe it'll pass down after generation after generation. But that is the way of the world that we live in. And so as we enter this season of Advent... We look at the manger. We look at the green and the lights that will come on next Sunday, hopefully. But it's appropriate. One candle is lit up here. And each Sunday, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, that light will shine brighter and brighter until all of those candles are lit 
when the light comes into this world. But sometimes we don't just think about that Christmas day because that was a period of waiting for the Jewish people, waiting for their Messiah, waiting for the prophecies to come true, waiting for one who would deliver them, who would give them back their land, give them back their kingdom and put them up. But God's plan was a little bit different than they expected. For he took the form of a lowly servant. And he would say things that were paradoxical over and over and over again in the, the gospel accounts. If you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want a life, you have to give up your own. You have to die. How do you die and get a life? Well, you don't know until you have experienced a Savior who conquered death and who gave us something worth looking forward to, who gave us a hope that would stand the test of time. And in today's sermon, we are going to look at what is to come, what we are waiting for as Christians, and that is for Jesus Christ to return and make this world right. What we see is our presence, the earth and the heavens, says they will pass away. But it is by this word we will stand. And if you will join with me in the 21st chapter of Luke, we're going to start at the end before we see the beginning. In verse 25, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, tells us this. He says, There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars, and on the earth distresses of nation in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of God coming in a cloud with great power and glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is near. And he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you will see them yourself. And you will know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all this has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, Jesus said. But he also said, but watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And the day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. There will be a great day of judgment. There will be a day where Jesus Christ says, Enough is enough. And he will come as if in a cloud. How do you describe the divine? On Wednesday night, we've been working through the book of Revelation. And we've been talking about that. How do you put in words the divine? We even looked at how artists depicted what John said on the Isle of Patmos. What he saw and what he tried to convey in human words. 
and what they heard and how they interpreted what he saw into art, into frescoes, into mosaics, into beautiful paintings. And one thing that we noticed is that for each, for John, he used the language that he had, the language of the prophets and those that had came before him. And for the artists, they used what they saw. The figures, the people, they look like the time and place that they painted. They represented a bit of themselves into what they saw because that is the canvas, that is what they had to work with. So how do you describe the divine? Do you use great imagery of triumph and conquerors and, and these kind of things? Or do you use the symbol of a baby who humbly comes, who will live a life of obscurity for 30 years and through a three-year earthly ministry change the world forever, change how we track our calendar how many lives have had an impact as great as Jesus Christ? But his life was unique, for he was fully human, born of a virgin. Not many of you can say that, and if you can, we might need to call somebody. But he's also fully divine. He was God incarnate. He walked among us. He met with 12 men over and over again and he tried to teach them the mysteries of the kingdom of God and if you've ever read the gospel of Mark you notice they were pretty slow to learn over and over again they failed we get to the end and we don't see the gospel story going on past that generation but it did because it took the, it took the resurrection for them to fully get it and once their lives were redeemed they were able to march with a new song a song that we will look at in a few weeks that Mary sung when she saw and she held that little baby boy that was destined for so much more destined for so much more than the son of a carpenter could have and so today we look at the end we look at Jesus coming down his second coming and we celebrate that because in judgment, the scripture tells us, hold your head up straight for the day of redemption is near. This isn't a time for us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to cower like the rest of humanity. It is a time of great hope and expectation. It is a time of triumph. It is a time of our redemption. So what does it mean he's coming in the cloud? Do we take this literal picture of Jesus floating down from the sky? Well, where is heaven? Is heaven over the horizon or is that outer space? When you read the Old Testament, which I hope you do, and if you don't, New Year's resolution time, read the Old Testament. But when we read the scriptures and we see how God interacted with those Hebrews, those Israelites so many years ago, his presence would surround them as a cloud. And they would feel his presence in the imagery of this smoke and this haze. We were on the road the other day. You see how the sand gets picked up, starts blocking out the sky. And how it seems like it's just going to overtake you. And this wasn't a bad day, was it? This was just a West Texas winter day. 
But there are days that get worse than this past week. I've seen the YouTube clips. I've seen how that sand just comes and envelops everything. And you see people who aren't expecting it just walking about. And when that sand overtakes them, they are running like for crazy to get to cover. This is the cloud of God. It will overtake you. It is the symbol of this great mystery of the divine being revealed to the presence. It is the story of God in your visual, in your presence in the way he hasn't been before. For now, he is kind of incognito, I guess you'd say. You see God's presence through the actions of others that are following him. You see God's presence when you, you pray and things come about. Not because it's what you wanted it to be, your own will, but because God's will was active in your life and you have now attuned to it. When you've sought out help and you help was found because God has sent it. This is when you feel the presence. But that day will be unmistakable. We can't just mark it off as a nice person doing a nice thing. For God's presence will surround us and the whole earth will see. And there will be hints of this before it comes. It says, in the sun and the moon and the stars. Now, I, I, I don't have that skill. I can't look at the moons and tell you um, what to expect and what we'll forecast and all these kind of things. I can't do that. But I can understand this scene. It says, for the nations will be in stress, perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves. This great storm is a coming. You know, if you think about it in our context, people talk about climate change in this manner, don't they? How the seas will rise and they will come upon our shores and they will flood our cities. And that somehow we can change our ways and prevent all this. But I'm reading the scriptures here today. There will be a time where we can't hold back those waters of chaos. Because God's judgment is coming and Jesus is bringing it to Bringing it to town, I don't want to sound like that Christmas song, but it did, didn't it? The Son of Man will return, and that's why we rejoice. For those who have found His love, have learned what it means to give up your life so that you may have one, have one in abundance, to be this new creation. This isn't a day to fear. This is the day we long for. This is the day we hope for. Not out of ignorance, but out, out of what the, the writer of Hebrews said. Out of faith, we have the assurance. It's not what we've seen yet. But this is what gives us hope. Because we know the gospel story. We know what God has sent. And what God has done through Jesus on our behalf. And what a gracious gift of mercy that has been. And so we can lift up our faces and that we can raise because our redemption is near. Isn't that great? This is the day that we long for. It is a day where cancer doesn't affect our loved ones, doesn't affect our brothers and sisters. It is a day where car accidents don't take place. It is a day where there is peace and love is felt. It is a day where evil no longer attacks. It is a day where God's victory reigns over all, in all totality. It is a great day for those who see Jesus coming. 
We are not going to be like the rest of the world who is running for cover and ducking when that cloud surrounds them. But we look up and we see the one that we have called on all the days ever since we came to faith. We see him coming, not in judgment, but to collect us, to bring us home, to give us paradise. To relieve us from the burdens that the rest of this world suffers. And he teaches us a parable, but it's not really a parable, is it? Is really more of an illustration. It doesn't carry a story. It just shows the example of a fig tree or all the other trees, depending on where you're at. I had a fig tree in my backyard in Waco. Have you ever had figs? Have you ever picked figs? One thing you'll notice that they're not harvestable for a long time. And as soon as they are, the birds got there the day before. But fig trees, they, they blossom, their, their blossoms come out and their leaves come out on early. And when you see that, you know we are heading towards the spring. The oaks and all the other trees, they're still dormant. The leaves are coming on. Greenery is starting to get there. You may have had that one warm summer spring day. It's not summer spring day, warm spring day. Where it's nice and it's pleasant. A day that you hadn't had in a long time. That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be a day like we haven't had in a long time. And we see the signs. And we we know that he's coming. And he says, truly heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Jesus Christ is the victor. He is the great victor who brings us the celebration of Christmas. He is the one who will come and make all things right. Because he gave up his throne and took on flesh and lived among us. And he taught us how to live. How to give up our own lives so that we may receive it. Because we live with him and he lives in us, those who have called on his name. It doesn't matter where we started. It doesn't matter if we were the tax collector hiding in a tree or if we were the biggest sinner in town mopping their tears on his feet and wiping them up with their hair. doesn't matter. Jesus has called us. He has called us for something greater. For his love truly transcends the sins in our life. He lifts us up because he lifts us out of that depravity. He gives us a life worth living. He doesn't say, come to me, you sinners, and then leave me and go on sinning. He says, come to you, sinners. He says, come to me, all you who are wearied and heaven laden, for I will give you rest. Lay your cares upon me, is what Jesus tells us to do. And then today, as we get ready for this season, as we get ready for our Savior's birth, let's think about the end. Because it is only in the promise that all things will be made right. That we can truly celebrate the day that is coming so quickly upon us. That we can celebrate how the light came into the world and broke through the darkness. And gave us a victory that we could not earn. That we could not find on our own. But then Jesus goes on and says, this is what you are to do 
in the meantime. Verses 34 through 36 are his application of this message. His application on how you are to wait expectantly. It says, but watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down by the disposition. You can read it yourself. And drunkenness and the cares of life. We can do that. Even as we prepare for Christmas, we can be weighted down by the problems of this world. They were sold out of that one perfect gift that I knew would make them happy. We're going to look all over the place. You know, things have gotten a little bit easier for us parents. But I remember way back when where if you wanted a toy, you had to get out and go pick it up. Praise the Lord, they invented Amazon. You just click an order. But don't be weighed down by the preparations that don't matter. Don't be weighed down about the things that will pass away. For those tangible things, those things that we touch. We've already talked about how they don't span generation after generation. And for very few of us, there will be some trinket that will make it. There will be some piece that you can hold and that you can touch. But for most of us, there will be none. Don't be weighed down about the things that don't matter. But lift up your head, for your redemption comes. God's word will not pass away. These are the things we are to celebrate this time of year. So if we are not getting our hearts ready, if we are not getting our minds ready for what is truly so important about Christmas, we are not doing the things that God would have us do. Where he says, don't be weighted down by this thing. Sometimes you're going to say, enough is enough. You know, a burnt chicken or a burnt turkey, you're going to have to do. We can celebrate together anyways. He said, because the day will come as if a trap. You're not going to know. It's like, even if I was smart enough to depict all the stars and all this, the moon and the sun and all its happenings to tell you the day that he will come, we don't know. We'd be wrong. Like there's always that old, old question. If you knew what your last day would be, would you want to know? Would you want to know if it would just come on suddenly like a heart attack or some kind of accident at work? Or if it would linger through struggling and pain and suffering? Would you want to know? When would you want to know? Would you want to know when you were two, three, four years old? Would you want to know all your life that this will be the last day that I will live? No, we don't want to know. We want to live each day like we have a future. Because we do if we are Christians. But in this world, the end will come as if a trap. And if you know that man who is descending on the clouds, in great power and great glory... It will be a day to lift up your head, for your redemption is here. It is now. It is only those who do not know that man who descends, who do not, does not know what the world tries to say, that we can just change our ways and prevent this destruction from happening. But we aren't to be weighed down by those things. But we are to stay awake at all times.
praying. Prayer, so important for this life. The only way that we can be ready is if we have communications with the one who will give us strength. And that is with Jesus. That is the one who is going to bring judgment for how you lived in life. Whether he knew you or whether you were his enemy. That is how you will stay awake. That is how you will watch yourself. It is through prayer. It is through prayer for the strength to be his child. To do his will. To be part of his plan. It is through prayer that we find an escape. And it's not an escape from this judgment. It is an escape from the trials of this world. For that is what will ensnare us. For if we stay on things that will no longer matter, that will pass away with time, we already are lost. But if we look to Jesus... And we look to a new life because we are a new creation living under a new covenant. When that day comes, we will have our redemption. It will be a day of rejoicing. So as you prepare this season, as you decorate your houses, as you buy gifts, as you do charitable work for those in need, don't forsake the words of Jesus Christ. For they will not pass away. But the things that we do now, the perfect tree, the best lights in town, they'll be just a vapor in the wind. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today with expectant hearts. Lord, during this season, open our hearts in a way that we may not have asked you before. Help us to see your will so clearly this season so that we may know how to live with others. We may know how to live with your creation. When we are bogged down by the trials of this world, teach us to fall down on our knees so that we may gain the strength to get through the day. That we may stand strong in the struggles that evil will pile upon us. Because we know as we wait, as we prepare for an event of Christmas Day. That you have given us a future. A day where you will make all things new. A day where you are calling all of your children to. And when that day comes... We ask that you give us the strength that we may stand face to face with you in a day that power and glory will fall on us as we are redeemed of this world. Be with us in our preparations as we prepare for the light to enter this world. And let us be a light in the dark landscape that we find ourselves in. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now is our time to enter invitation. If you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have fallen down on your knees and prayed for forgiveness, and now that you call Him to be your Savior, and you want to know, let everyone know what has happened inside you, please come forward. Maybe you've been visiting First Baptist Church, and today is the day that you're no longer going to be on the perimeter but you're going to come and join us as brothers and sisters 
not just as visitors, but one who cares about this community of faith. Maybe you're simply just in need of prayer to get through the day. Come forward at this time.